Good morning. Wow, it is good to see faces this morning. It is a joy. Would you join me in prayer as we begin to open God's word? This is your word. This is your truth. I pray that the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth would be pleasing to you, O Lord. Lift our eyes to see you this morning. Show us who you are. We love you so much, Lord. Amen. I want to ask you a question this morning. If you imagine the Lord looking at you, what's in his face? What do you see in his eyes? A few years ago, I was in Thailand, and the Lord showed me something about how he sees me that really, really surprised me. I was sitting in a pew. We were in a worship service, and I I don't have any other explanation for it other than a vision kind of was given to me. And as I was sitting there, suddenly I found myself in heaven. And I don't know how I knew it was heaven. I just knew. And I saw Moses and David and Peter hanging out with each other. And I was kind of in the background watching. And I saw the three of them were kind of teasing each other. I'm like, do they do this in heaven? And Moses was like, you guys, watch this. Watch what I can do. And he took his staff and he put it in this pool of water. And the water went to the sides. And then David said, oh, you guys, watch this. And he gets a lasso, and he starts to lasso this huge herd of sheep. And I'm thinking, what's happening? Are are they mocking each other, teasing each other? And suddenly I heard this voice say, it's time for dinner, guys. And I turned and looked, and I saw a table as far as the eye could see, filled with every kind of food. And then my next thought, which is kind of funny, was kind of like when you're a kid and you walk in the cafeteria and you're not sure where you're supposed to sit. And I had that thought of, where do I go? And then my next thought was, oh, I I got my list of people I can't wait to meet in heaven. Maybe I could sit by C.S. Lewis. Oh, I'm sure that seat's taken. (laughs) And I started to go through my list. Who could I sit by? And the next thing I knew, a chair was being pulled out for me. And I sat down, and I turned to look to see who was I sitting next to. And it was Jesus. And he looked at me, and I felt physical warmth go from my head to my toes. And he smiled, and he said, Renee, I am so glad you're here. What do you see when you imagine the face of God looking at you. We've been in some hard times these months, haven't we? And it's really easy to forget the love of God, the face of God looking at us. So this morning we're going to look at a psalm and consider the face of God and his unshakable love for his people. Now, as you know, most of you know, we lived in Asia for 20 years, 
and I love languages. I love cultures. I love different foods. So does anybody in here speak more than one language? Raise your hand. Probably quite a few, right? And anybody who's studied languages knows that there are certain words you can't translate exactly right in English, right? The word is like too rich and too big to have an exact English translation. So here's a couple of them. Any of you from Dutch background? I have not studied Dutch, so I don't know if I'll say this correctly, but hazelig, right? We can't translate that exactly into English. It means cozy, homey, warm and fuzzy feeling, right? There's not an English word for it. I love this one in Italian. Sprezzatura. This word means the art of looking fantastic, but making it look effortless. <laughs> There's a word in the Bible that we're going to talk about this morning that is like this. We can't quite nail an English translation on it. It's too big. It's too rich. And it's in this psalm. And the thing that's fascinating about this word is this word happens 240 times in the Old Testament. 240 times. Now, I was an English major in college, and I know when an author repeats something, what are you supposed to do? Pay attention, right? There's a reason this is repeated. And this little word we're going to talk about is used 240 times. So I think God wants us to listen. And the word is, this is a Hebrew word, is hesed, H-E-S-E-D, hesed. And it's the word that all of the biblical authors try to wrap their arms around to explain God's huge, unshakable, unchanging, faithful love and mercy and kindness and goodness. That's all in this one word. So when you read your Bible, you'll see it translated lots of ways. Sometimes it says steadfast love. Sometimes it says faithfulness or mercy or loving kindness or faithful love or covenant love. It's so big, we can't put an English word on it. Think about that. God's love is so big, we cannot describe it. So let's look together at Psalm 63. Psalm 63. A Psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary. I've beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. 
They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. We're going to talk about three things this morning. We live in a world that's hard, but God's love comes to us and ultimately satisfies and finally walked among us. So first, the world is hard. We don't know who wrote every psalm, but this one we, we do. At the very beginning, did you hear what it said? A psalm of David when he was in the desert of Judah. And verse 11 gives us a little clue about when he wrote this. It was when he was king. Because he talks about the king at the end of the psalm. Now, the only, anybody remember the only time David would have been on the run in the wilderness while he was king? He's not being chased by Saul here. Who's he getting chased by? His son. David is in the wilderness on the run because his son tried to take the throne from him and drove him out of town. So David is not only in an actual wilderness, he is in a personal wilderness. We're talking about total rejection from his son. He's lost his job. He's lost his throne. He doesn't know about the hearts of the people. Everything is gone when David writes this. David understood hard times. And if you look at verse 1, in the words that David uses, he is weak, he is weary, he is alone. Utterly abandoned. Nothing's going right for David. How about you? It kind of feels like we're living in some dry and weary times, aren't we? These have been hard days. Our country is hurting. Many people are hurting. And that's not even talking about our own personal wilderness. Health issues, financial struggles, loneliness. You know, Charles Spurgeon wrote, I love this, he says, we actually are very truly always in a dry and weary land because this world is not home. I don't know about you, but I don't like the wilderness. Do you like the wilderness? I want to know how we're getting out, I want to know when we're getting out, and I want to know why we're here. We don't like the road that takes us through the wilderness. And I don't know about you, but my own heart has hurt in these last months. I've had too many conversations with too many people where the pain goes very deep. And let's be honest, whether or not we personally have felt the wilderness, it's all around us. But guess what? We are not alone. God's people have been to the wilderness before. Moses was there, Elijah was there, Hagar, David. And what happened in the wilderness? They met God. Let's read what David says as he's in the wilderness. Look at verse 1, the second half of verse 1. 
He says, my flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. This world is hard, but God shows up. God comes to us. Did David suddenly get transported to Jerusalem? He says, I beheld you in the sanctuary. Is he suddenly back in church? No, he is still in the sand, all alone. God has come to David. Look at verse 2. David remembers the Lord. In verse 6, he says, oh, I remember you. I meditate on you. In verse 7, he says, I remember you've been my help. In verse 8, your hand holds me. David's situation has not changed He's still in the sand, alone, totally uncertain about his future. But God has come. His kids were still a mess. His job was unknown, and his reputation was in question. And God comes to David and says, lift your chin. Remember, remember who I am. You see, hesed, that word, God's kindness, his mercy, his love, it's who he is. In fact, it's the, one of the first descriptions God uses of himself in the Old Testament. He says to Moses, I am the Lord your God, compassionate, gracious, abounding in hesed. I'm abounding in steadfast love, kindness, mercy, love, grace. And, and you guys know this famous psalm that David wrote, Psalm 23. David talks about it over and over in the psalms. And David says, surely goodness and mercy, that's that hesed, will follow me all the days of my life. And now David's experiencing this in the wilderness Hesed, God's mercy and kindness and love have followed him all the days of his life. God's unshakable love and mercy and kindness pursues us. He comes to get us. When we were in China, I had a Chinese colleague at our university who was an education professor and not a believer. And one day she had me over to her house for lunch sat me down at her table. We had a nice lunch together. And when the lunch was finished, she stood up abruptly from the table, marched across the room and grabbed a book off her bookshelf, came back to the table and slammed it down on the table. And it was a Bible. And she said, do you know anything about this book? It's been on my shelf for 10 years. Somebody gave it to me 10 years ago. And I know this sounds crazy, but for 10 years, I keep trying to ignore it. I know this sounds weird, but I feel like it's calling my name. Do you know anything about this book? Could you help me study it? Sign me up. God's hesed comes to find us. He pursues us. In these dry and weary days, do you know that? Do you feel his smile on you? 
Do you know that he's looking for you to come home? So this world is hard. God's love comes to find us. And third, God's unshakable love satisfies. This is my favorite verse in the whole psalm. Verse 3. I'm going to read it to you from the ESV. He says, Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Do you notice David doesn't ask if it's true? He says it's true. Your hesed, your steadfast love is better than life. It's a statement. How can he say that? He is in the wilderness. He's got nothing. How do those words come out of his mouth? Your steadfast love is better than life. Look back at verse 1. How does David begin this whole psalm? He says, God, you are my God. In his darkest days, David is standing on something firm. There's a rock underneath David. He's not thirsting for an unknown well. He is talking about a personal relationship. He's calling out for his God. God's hesed, his love, is so deeply rooted in relationship. It's God saying, I will be your God and you will be my people. And God doesn't make that promise lightly. When he says, I will be your God, it is rock solid. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And David's feet were standing on that firm foundation. He knew that God was his God. His eyes were somehow not on the wilderness. How? Another story from when we were in Thailand one year. Sam, sorry Sam, I'm going to tell a story about you. Sam was about two years old and was walking, but not fantastically well, but walking. And he and I were out for a walk one day, and we came across a river with a very sketchy, rickety bridge across the river. And I came to the edge of the bridge, and I stopped, and my mind is debating, is this a good move or not? Should we go? I I'm just seeing the rickety bridge. Two-year-old Sam gets to the rickety bridge, and he looks at the rickety bridge, and he doesn't even take a hesitation. He just sticks his hand up for my hand and starts going. And I thought that was such a lesson to my heart. Do I do that with my heavenly father? Or do I look at that rickety bridge and debate it and wonder and think, oh, is this a good idea? Or do I know my God is with me in the wilderness? David knows that his deepest longings can only be satisfied by one thing, God himself. Do you notice in the whole psalm, he doesn't ask for rescue. He doesn't ask about his son. He doesn't ask about his job. He asks and hungers and thirsts for God himself. Because David has tasted and seen the hesed the steadfast love of God. So how about us? What are the things that you go to for satisfaction? We all go somewhere. So where do you go? Is it friendships? 
your kids, your job, your reputation? What is it that tempts you to say, ah, this will satisfy my soul? Maybe in this crazy, dry, and weary land season, maybe that thing that you long for is control. And you say, if I just know how long this will last, if I just know what the fall is going to look like, if my candidate wins in November, I will be satisfied. I think in our country right now, we've been rocked to our core. And I know for me, it has unveiled some of my hidden idols of control and comfort and stability. So where do I go? Where do I turn? And David says, your steadfast love is better than life. So all that life holds, everything, sunsets, good coffee, friendships, the work we love, all of that, everything that life holds, David says, your love is better. And what does he say about this satisfaction? In verse 5, he says, my soul be satisfied as with rich and fat food. And David, remember, was a king. He knew what banquets were like. So David says, God's love is so filling, so satisfying. It fills the deepest, every place of my heart. You know, throughout this psalm, David says it again and again, that when his eyes focus on God's love, on God's hesed, his soul is satisfied. He talks about looking at him in the sanctuary beholding God's glory and power. He remembers him as he lays in the night. Do you know that feeling when you see the face of a dear friend that you haven't seen in a long time? In all of our years of living in China, I can tell you it didn't matter how many times we came back, there was nothing like getting off in Gerald R. Ford Airport and seeing my mom and dad. There is a sweetness when we see the face of the ones we love. There's something about the face of God, something we need to remember, to lift our eyes. It's so easy to see the wind and the waves and the wilderness, but when we see his face in the midst of COVID and racial pain and questions about our future, where do we look? Where are the answers? And I'm not talking about sticking our head in the sand and acting like everything's fine. That's what I love about the Psalms. They're honest. They cry out to God. But I am talking about lifting our eyes to his face. David wrote in another Psalm, Psalm 17, When I awake, I will see your face and be satisfied. We have a very good Chinese friend. I'll call her Alice. And when she became a believer, um, her family was very opposed. Her father was a party, Communist Party member, and her mother was just very, very angry that she had decided to follow Christ. And one day, Alice called me weeping on the phone. And Alice was planning to be baptized that Sunday. And she said, I told my parents that I'm planning to be baptized. And my mother said to me, 
if you go through with that, when you come home, I will have burned all of your things, and then you will see your dead mother on the floor because I will kill myself if you become a believer. Do you know what Alice said? Alice said, you can burn all my things. I hope you don't. And I really hope you don't hurt yourself because I love you, Mom. But you can't have my heart because it's safely in the hands of Jesus. Alice was standing on the rock-solid foundation of the steadfast love of God. This world is hard, but God's love comes to find us. It satisfies our deepest longing, and finally it comes to walk among us. Hesed is all over the Old Testament, and David talked about it all the time. God's constantly saying to us in the Old Testament, this is who I am, I love you. But we, on this side of the story, got to see the whole thing. Because Hesed took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Think about how Christ fulfills everything David's talking about in this psalm. David thirsts for God. And Jesus said, I'm the living water that will never run dry. David looked for God. Jesus came and walked among us so we couldn't miss him. David remembered that God was his help, full of power and glory. And Jesus came, the gospel said, full of grace and truth, displaying his glory. David longed for justice. At the end of this psalm, he believes that God's love includes justice, that wrongs will be set right, that God was seeing the deep injustice in his life. And David said, someday those who seek my life will be taken down. Jesus came to destroy our ultimate enemy. Colossians 2 says our greatest enemies were silenced at the cross. And he's coming again to right all the wrongs. What deeper display of God's hesed could there be than Jesus nailed to the cross? Hesed is not just a what it's not just God's love. Hesed is a who. It's a person. And man, does he love you. So what is our response? Are we supposed to just muster up our own hesed and go out and love the world? Well, guess what? We can't. Let's look at what David did, and here's our response. Number one. Recognize your wilderness. David did. He was honest about his situation. Lord, give us eyes to see the people hurting around us. Number two, lift your eyes. Look at his face. David chose to look up at God. So where am I focusing? Where am I looking for help? and for answers, for satisfaction. In our hurting world, remember to look up. 
Number three, remember. Make lists of God's character. Whenever you read anything in the Bible, ask yourself, what does this tell me about who he is? Remember stories of his kindness to you. I remember one time in China, Calvin and Peter, sorry, I'm telling more stories about you. Calvin and Peter were standing next to me on the sidewalk, and we were waiting and waiting and waiting to get a taxi, and no one was coming. And I said to them, they were probably five, I said, let's pray that God will help us. We need to get to this place, and we can't get there. Let's pray. And we prayed, and the taxi pulls up, and we get in the car, and Calvin and Peter look at each other, and, and one of them said, God answered our prayer. A taxi came. And the other one said, but he's inside our hearts. How did that happen? And the other one said, he's everywhere. Look for how God provides. Look. Ask yourself, how did he show up today? Where did I see his kindness today? Where did I experience God's compassion today? Number four, choose praise. In verses 4 through 7, do you see how David chooses over and over? He says, I will bless you. I will praise you. I will sing for joy. We have a choice every single day, every moment, what we're going to do with our attitude and our hearts. We can choose to focus on the lack, what we don't have, or on the abundance, what we do have. There's a whole whole lot of things David didn't have in Psalm 63 as he's sitting in the wilderness. In fact, he had almost nothing. But he chose to focus on the abundance because David knew it was well with his soul. Number five, walk with others in their wilderness. I think so often of Christ on the night before he died and this just, I can't fathom. He knew he was going to the cross the next day. And he washed his disciples' feet. As he hung on the cross, he turned and forgave and welcomed the thief next to him. Jesus constantly entered other people's wilderness. So how can I, this week, in some way, enter into someone else's wilderness with them and lift their eyes and show them the God who's looking at them with such love? And finally, number six, let God's hesed, his faithful love, his steadfast mercy, his unshakable kindness, let that sink deep into your soul this week. Be honest with your true heart. Lament and cry and sing and laugh and walk with him through it all. Really, through it all. Don't apologize for your tears and also don't forget that the best is yet to come. God will restore this broken down world. And wrongs will be made right. And remember his steadfast, unshakable, unstoppable mercy, friendship, love, kindness, faithfulness. It's the rock under our feet. So as you move about your days this week, my prayer for you is you will remember God's heart. 
that you will remember his hesed is under you and around you. That you'll remember his love is so big, we don't have an English word for it. And as you wrestle with loneliness or discouragement, you wonder about your future, that you will remember God's heart. It would be easy to say, okay, now go, go do hesed, muster it up and go be light for the world. Remember to receive his hesed. Let that truth sink in to those deep places. And then, then, my friends, that hesed is going to flow out of us to our hurting world. So don't try to muster it up on your own. You don't have it. But he does. Let him fill you this week. And then go out and bring peace and hope and kindness to our hurting world. You are really, really loved, my friends. With an unending, unrelenting, unconditional, unbelievable love. So live in that this week. Lift your eyes up. And may we stand on that rock-solid foundation of God's unshakable love in hard times. And may we be like our friend Alice, who said, my heart is held safely in the hands of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, your unshakable love is more than we can comprehend. It's so easy for us to very tritely say, yes, we know that God loves us. Jesus loves me. This I know. But do we really know the depths of your unshakable love for us? That you look at us and say, I'm so glad you're here. that you look at us and say, oh, you're one of my favorites. Lord, for my friends here in this place and those watching, I pray that this truth would sink deep into their heart, your unshakable love, and that, that we would cling to you in these wilderness days. We love you, Lord, so very much. In Jesus' name, amen. And now the Lord sends you out with these words. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, though COVID is still here, yet my unfailing love, my hesed, will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. You are loved. Go in peace.